Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Edit Your Life podcast. I'm Christine Coe. And I'm Asha Dornfest, and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. We share practical ways to declutter your home schedule and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. And we believe that baby steps are the key to getting there. Friends, welcome to the Edit Your Life show. I am just delighted to bring on a guest. I was going to say a guest co-host, but really we're going to just be downloading on all of her wisdom. So it's just a guest. Jess Ashley, hi. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. I am so thrilled to have you here. Do you mind giving us a little wind up on your bio? Yeah, I would love to. So my name is Jessica Ashley. I'm the divorce coach for moms, which means that I help women specifically moms, through those big transitions of their lives, divorce, breakup of relationships with partners, those can really be either traumatic or an opportunity for huge growth or both, a lot of both. And so I am there as a guide to help women embrace that bigger, healthier, happier life that can be on the other side of divorce. And to get out of that stress brain thinking that's really black and white, um, those destructive behaviors and stress we all can very easily slip into, like, you know, drinking a lot of wine and binging a lot of Netflix and avoiding the important decisions so that we can think clearly, calmly, confidently make decisions that um, are some of the most important decisions we will ever make for the well-being of ourselves and our children. And so I help women get through that. I also have a site called Single Mom Nation and um, a short podcast, (laughs) single digit, double digit numbers of that, um, that goes along with that. And through all of those, we are really intending to empower women to have these great lives despite um, and around all of the transitions that happen. Yes. um, All of those things. And I I will link all of these sites and pods and all that stuff in the notes. But, um, you know, I, I feel like I need to point out and only share as much as you want to share, but I feel like your practicing of the wisdom and all the learnings that you have, you know, all the things that you have sorted out and learned through your own process, I feel like they were quite put to test over the last year. Would you? Yeah, they really Would- have been. <laughs> they really have been. So I am a mom of two, a 15-year-old and a five-year-old. My five-year-old dad um, is my boyfriend, and he was deployed to Iraq over the last year. He was gone for a full year. He has recently returned. And it was really an extraordinary, agonizing experience. Um, Very difficult in part because there is no community for me really um, in the circle of people who I know or really within his unit um, to be a military family. And as we are not married, that also is, can be very isolating um, for people who are involved or supporting a service member who is deployed. Mm -hmm. And so what, it was really awful. It was really, really awful in the beginning. And there came a point a couple of months in when I realized maybe this isn't as awful as I thought it was. Like I have these chops that were earned very early on in my divorce a dozen years ago. And I know I'm a kick-ass single mom. I know I can do this and I know my kids can do it. 
And so um, really embracing that understanding that it didn't have to be hard was a huge shift for me. Mm -hmm. And also really called on me to take everything I had learned personally through divorce, professionally and coaching women and level it up even more. And one of the biggest ways that I had to do that was asking for help and guidance and accepting it. Um, I have a great therapist who says to me every time I see her, how are you receiving abundance? Mm -hmm. And reminding myself that there is an abundance of people and gifts and opportunities that I just had to say yes to. Every time I said yes, it helped um, me be stronger and me to focus on the things that are most important to me. So there were lots of unexpected surprises. There were lots of difficulties, um, you know, communicating with somebody who is 6,511 miles away in a, um, an army base that is under attack is very difficult and stressful on a relationship. And so honing in on how I was taking care of myself and really showing myself radical self-love, um, in a way that I had never before I'd Mm -hmm. never practiced, um, has been, um, has created a huge awakening in my life about how I want to be now and how I want to live out the rest of my days. So it's been a really important experience. Yeah, it was actually quite, you know, I'll just say from as, you know, a friend and as somebody who just admires what you do professionally, it was really remarkable. Um, you know, we talked a lot <laughs> over the last year and just to see that transformation happen. And of course, I'm just seeing, you know, just glimmers of it, um, you know, from the sidelines, but it was really quite amazing. Well, we have, as I mentioned at the front of this episode, um, a number of questions from listeners related to divorce and single parenting. And obviously you are the expert that, um, and I can't wait to hear uh, what you're going to share. And we will move on to that conversation after a quick break. Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages six and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, friends, we are back with the wonderful Jessica Ashley, who is just, I don't know, like one of the, one of my favorite people on the internet and in real life. And I'm just so glad we're talking today (laughs) um, because obviously, um, you know, divorce and single parenthood is not something that Asha and I have expertise in. It's something we've had repeat requests for. And so I'm really grateful to you, Jess, today for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with us. Thank you for having me. It's just such a pleasure. And I always feel honored to answer a question, especially that a mom has asked. Yes. So thank you. Well, we have several. So I'm gonna okay. <laughs> I'm gonna start with um, you know, a few and I just I know I 
as I, as we discussed kind of leading into this conversation, you know, offline, I feel like um, each of these questions could be a separate episode in its own it or really on its, <laughs> yeah, right. But, um, you know, so I guess maybe like, you know, for each of these, we'll just sort of go top line and, you know, I, I would just love to hear your thoughts. So the first question um, or the first topic I want to hit on is about, you know, being respectful in separation, which I'm sure can be challenging when emotions are very charged up. Um, so the question specifically was, how can couples separate in a respectful way, minimizing animosity? How do we do that, Jess? This is such a good question because I think, well, first of all, there is the assumption that um, this is a unicorn situation. And And for many couples, it is because it really depends how you're coming to divorce or separation. If you are coming to it feeling super hurt and betrayed um, if there has been some catastrophic event that has spurred on this change, it can be very difficult to quickly get to the respectful place because Mm -hmm. that's our human selves. And and I think that's okay. Maybe we need time to heal some of that. We need some guidance and support to get there. Also, the people around you are going to be super pissed. Mm -hmm. Like the people who love you, if there's something catastrophic or super betraying, they're going to be mad for you and they're going to ignite that even more. So it can be very difficult to get to this place. However, if there's a slow burn, if there is, um, you know, you are just your friends, there's something here that can lead organically to respect. God bless. Keep doing it as much as you can. And I would say always focus then on the agreements Focusing in on the agreements helps to minimize where you disagree, no matter what your relationship. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think this was really an important place for couples to communicate, but also for moms in particular to communicate with children. So if you are sharing, for example, with your children that you, um, you and dad or you and the other parent are going to be um, living separately now, you can say this is what's happening. And here's what we agree on. There's Mm -hmm. other stuff to work out. We don't know the answer to yet, but here's what we agree on first. And I think that's also important centering for, for people individually, for us women who are going through this to think about what do we first agree on and what else is outstanding. And that's an important place to keep coming back to because those agreements, that's like your Venn diagram moment of importance, right? Mm -hmm. I think otherwise, if you, you know, it can take two people to have um, a relationship that's respectful. In the meantime, you can choose who you want to be in this situation and act from a place of respect, calm agreement, all of those good things as much as you possibly can in every interaction. I think that often with another healthy individual that can minimize their anger or reaction. That's the hope. It might not, especially if somebody has some kind of personality personality disorder or challenge, um, or if there's something else going on, maybe they're the betrayed one. That can be really difficult. But I would say start with yourself focus on the agreement. It helped me personally to come to an understanding through a very ugly divorce that my relationship with my child's other parent was about the business of raising our child. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, can we please speak to each other with the respect of a teacher, a doctor, the other people who are a part of this business of raising our child to be a healthy human being? That didn't always work, but it certainly works for me and still works for me all these years later. So I would just say, begin with yourself, focus on agreements, think about the business of raising a child, and as much as you can, communicate with that other person with the clarity um, and the calm that you would a teacher or a doctor. I think, well, two things. First, I think... um... I love that parallel of communicating in the way that you would with a teacher or a medical professional or whatever. Like that is just, that's super leveled up. Um, And second, just, you know, starting looking for the places of agreement instead of disagreement, because that's, you know, the negativity is where 
things are generally centered. I think that is so smart. You know, just it, this, you mentioned friends and how they will be fired up for you in when you're trying to, I don't know. I, I think part of me feels like, you know, you need your friends to be able to be that angry and get angry with, but you know, do you in a situation like this also try to welcome them in to be, you know, respectful towards that other person or do you just kind of let it fly? Like, I mean, I think that's pretty tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there are friends who will never be kind to that person ever again. And in a mm-hmm. way that can feel kind of good, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's okay. Um, and there are friends who you need to vent to. That's okay too. I think it is, if it is serving you best to say, Hey, listen, um, my kid is around or you're going to see this person on the playground can you just like keep it low key here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think that's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. I think also one response is no response. So if you have people in your circle who really need to keep that drama going or the bashing going and you're no longer comfortable with it, it is okay to just be quiet and let it hang in the air uncomfortably. Mm-hmm. Eventually they can talk to each other about it. But I'll say, you know, even for myself, I mentioned my approach. 12 years later, I have friends that all they want to talk about is that stuff that happened all that time ago. And I have, I'm a different person now. Mm-hmm. I don't need that. And so it's okay to remember as well that you, you might be evolving and needing new friendships mm-hmm. and releasing some of those friendships to acquaintance level or beyond. Yeah, that is super smart. Um, it's yeah, that's, tough. It it's is, it is tough. Loss, but sometimes that leads to a lot of growth. Right, right. And I imagine, you know, all relationships are, um, you know, colored by history and, you know, you or you feel some loyalty to the relationship itself because of history. And I think that's a challenge of, you know, there have been friends who have kind of been with you through a tough time of letting go. But I think that is really an important thing is that, you know, sometimes relationships run their course and that's how it goes. And I think one other thing to remember, I hear from clients a lot is, their deep heartbreak that their in-laws are not on their side. Mm. And this is a really difficult thing. But one of the things I um, encourage those clients to remember is that one day when our children are in tough situations, we're going to be the first person to stand up next to them. Even if we think they're wrong, we're going to be there for them. And so that's what those parents are doing as well. Mm -hmm. And it may be hurtful for us, but I do think that this is an important time to remember what kind of parent would I want to be if my child was in the middle of a breakup or a divorce or they did something kind of crappy, but they needed us and our love even more than ever. Um, and to, um, to remember that some of that hurt that people are showing toward us is really their loyalty to somebody else that we no longer agree with. Mm-hmm. And so it is okay to seek out that parenting and that connection from other friends professionals, coaches, what, whomever that might be for you. Mm, yeah. All right. Well, you have mentioned kids a few times, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they are such a huge part of the equation if you are divorcing while like, as a parent. So, um, you know, we've received the question, you know, what steps can be taken to ease the transition for kids? I mean, obviously it's going to be very situational, but are there, you know, a few pro tips that you've seen in your work that have been very helpful? I think it's really important for parents to be compassionate and as honest as possible, as honest as is developmentally appropriate for children Mm -hmm. and to acknowledge the change and the emotion that is happening in the home and in the relationship and to have conversations that are ongoing. There's not going to be one conversation about sex. There's not going to be one conversation about divorce. Mm-hmm. Children will come to these um, conversations differently as they grow, as they have experiences, as it unrolls. And so being open to being as honest as possible um, and compassionate as possible. So sometimes being compassionate with your kids means you're not going to spill a bunch of dirt on the other parent. Mm-hmm. You're not going to give all the adult details, but it is okay to acknowledge things are changing. They're uncomfortable. I love you. You're safe here with me. You're safe with the other parent. Here's what we're going to do to make this better for you. I would say 
be really open to what the kids say they need to make time at the other parent's home or with the other parent visitation to make that easier. And that Mm -hmm. might mean they take their favorite loveys over to the other parent's house and they never come home. (laughs) It might mean that um, they need you to call them and say a prayer at night or to text, or they might need you to not. So I think asking, um, asking your child to be the expert of their own situation is also important. Even if they're really little, they might have wisdom of how to navigate. As much as you can make, if there are two homes, make those two homes feel comfortable. Sometimes it falls on one parent to go buy sheets and a blanket for that mm-hmm. other house. And then you just got to suck it up and do it because you want your baby to feel safe and good there. So there's that. I think also just a lot of check-in. Mm-hmm. Transitions between homes can be tricky for kids. Sometimes they need quiet time or downtime. So I would be willing to um, experiment with how that might go for your child in your situation. Diffusing your feelings as much as possible. So if you can meditate, go for a run, have some quiet time, read a book, whatever it is, listen to some music before your child comes home so you can release, the better it's all going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I love just that you mentioned um, uh, how you, how'd you put it, you know, asking a kid to be sort of the expert of their own experience or you, you phrased it better. But um, because I find that whenever I ask um, even like a little kid like Vi, who is now eight years old, she always has an answer. And o- oftentimes yeah. it surprises me like what she needs or wants in a moment, you know, even though I feel like I know her pretty well. Yeah, so yeah. I think, you know, I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind because if you are in a situation where you're, you know, under stress and you're trying to manage everything on limited time, you know, because you're, you're on your own doing this, like, I think it can be hard to lose sight of it. It's, it's kind of like, uh, not the same, but similar to giving a kid the space to learn how to tie their own shoes, right? You do it because it's faster and you think you know what they need, but you know, sometimes they need to do it their own way. So I'm really glad you brought that up. And that, and that shoe tie might be representative of a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. Like it might be like, Hey mom, I need to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say some transitional objects. This is like any parenting thing, but there's just like an added importance there. So The book, The Kissing Hand, is a great example of how um, you can use a transitional, um, like a moment with each other or an action to keep yourselves connected. Sometimes that could be like a little, a necklace. My my daughter's good with a hair scrunchie. Like, (laughs) it can be any old thing. When my son was really little in the early days of divorce, and he would go to his dad's and feel upset. I sometimes handed him my business card because it had my Mm, picture on it. mm -hmm. And that was enough to tuck in his pocket. So it doesn't have to be something big and extraordinary. It's just something to say, I am with you always, and Mm -hmm. I will be here when you return. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and that this can change. If you no longer need a business card, it's okay, baby. We're going to be okay. Yeah. 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 Well, so we are coming up, this episode will air, uh, you know, as we are moving into the holidays. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, one of the questions we have received is how do you split holidays and build traditions when you're not together? I mean, you earlier just mentioned, you know, the trickiness of transition and how to do that, like, um, you know, between different physical locations. So are there any things that you have found have been particularly helpful around the holidays? Yes. So first of all, if you are in the middle of a divorce that is a legal proceeding, your attorney is going to have all kinds of input about Mm. how you are going to split up that holiday time. But I'll tell you, when moms call me, one of the first questions that they ask is around Santa or Hanukkah or whatever holiday their family celebrate and are important to them. What happens if I don't see my child? Am I ever going to see my child on these times again? And those are valid, important questions to ask. And I encourage people going through divorce, especially if they're using attorneys to split this time up, to really advocate for themselves and what are 
those most important Mm. holidays and faith traditions and rituals of their family, because the continuity of those to some degree is really important for the kids. You Mm -hmm. will find your way. You did it before you had kids. You will do it again. And you will find a way to do that um, with your children on other days, which is like my favorite holiday bit of advice is that fake holidays can be a great joy and actually a great relief to families where kids are moving between parents or homes for the holidays. I love Thanksgiving. So (laughs) uh, it's really one of my favorites. The years that my son is with me on Thanksgiving, great. We just do our thing. The years he's not, um, he will maybe leave on Wednesday of that week to go with his dad. So Tuesday night, we have our big Thanksgiving. My parents come over. It is all the great stuff of Thanksgiving without the pressure of that actual day. And then we all get leftovers and we get to like unbutton our pants and watch movies on Thursday. (laughs) It's the very best or go to other family house. And so once I think I understood myself, like this can actually be pretty awesome. It released all of the sadness and um, anxiety about it not being the actual day. Kids do not care. Mm-hmm. I have never had a client who said, like, we celebrated Christmas the day after and everybody was mad. No, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you to think about removing that actual date and figuring out when you'll have your celebration. And it might be the time to really ask your kids to help you create new rituals and new fun stuff to do. One of the things we do every year is um is make a brownie pie for my son to take to his dad's house. Oh he loves it. It yeah. makes him feel like he contributes. Um and I don't have to eat all that brownie pie myself. That makes me happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is like just a new tradition that we started. So I would say take away those dates and think more about the celebration you want to have and the traditions that you want to have. There are some families who continue to get together um, with the other parent or with a blended family, however it looks. And there are other people who are like, I'm out. We're just doing our little thing, me and my kid. However that looks for you is beautiful. Just make sure you give it a moment and breathe that same magic and love into it and let it be a release from any tension. It can be simple. It is okay. Oh, man. Boy, do I love that. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to glean some of that for just, you know, I love the the idea of just, you know, tuning into the actual rituals and things that you want to do um, without being tethered to the date. The date. I love it. Well, I have learned. Can I just add? I've yes. learned so much from you and Asha on this. I swear I like go back to the episodes where you talk about minimalist um, holidays yeah. all the time. Because when a kid is not with you, it is very tempting to uh, holidays where there's gift giving to give them way too much Mm -hmm. because you're making up for a lot. And I really encourage you. And really, I have learned this from you. I, we build in experiences. The big gifts are experiences because that time is so much more precious than the unopened Lego boxes that are now in my teenagers room, you know? So I, I think I have learned so much from you and, and maybe it's amplified um, because my child is not with me all the time, that those lessons of simplicity are even more precious. Oh, well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. And I, I, you know, can't help but layer on too that, you know, as you know, raising a teenager, you know, those, that time together is all the more precious and crucial, (laughs) you know, (laughs) just as an opportunity to talk, you know, so it's, it's really, really important. Well, we have, a ton more to talk about some really interesting questions that we'll address in just a few minutes after a quick break. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast 
for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, friends, we are back with the wonderful Jessica Ashley. And wow, I feel like I'm, I don't know, I feel like this should be a listen for all parents, not just people, um, you know, who are dealing with divorce and single parenthood. But let's get back to questions because we have a few more. Um, The next one is generally, I'm a fan because it's asking about working less, but I want to read specifically what this listener wrote. She said, I think I've made progress in this area of working less as a single parent in some ways, but not in others. Working excessively, whether for work or for home management, is my biggest stumbling block for getting enough sleep. As a single mom, I've made growth in allowing our house to stay messy instead of my kids and I picking it up every night. I also think I've reduced my perfectionism, which has helped some. But, you know, this person is definitely still wrestling. So, you know, how, how do you do less when you feel like everything is on you? Yeah, I, I think this is a really important question. And that's not just because of the perfectionism, but because a lot of clients who I've had are in a divorce where they feel the need to prove that they are a super mom at all times. Mm. And that is internal. It may be also that they may be under a microscope from another parent that who, who they are divorcing about what kind of mother they are or aren't. And so there can be deep, deep pressure that is long lasting. And so I really acknowledge this, this listener for saying like, listen, we're having a messy house and I'm going to be happier because of it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I have things to let go. I really acknowledge how much of a challenge that is. Okay. I think it is important here to ask for help. Mm -hmm. One of the best bits of advice, parenting advice I ever got came from a married mom friend who said, outsource absolutely as much as you can afford. Mm -hmm. Now that might mean that you have some high schooler come in and help you go through kids artwork or fold laundry or um, do some work, work like filing for you, whatever, once a month. And you have like 50 bucks a month to put aside to that. That's fine. If you have more or you can do a trade, particularly with another single mom to help with these things, I think it's, I think that's also really important. Mm -hmm. I am a big fan of finding your people and inviting them over every Friday night or one Friday night a month and ordering pizza and letting the kids play and practicing having people in your messy home. And I love that. Seeing that they don't care. 
Wait, like, so you legit don't tidy up at all. You legit don't (laughs) tidy up. And then, you know what it does is it invites the other parents to do the same. Isn't that a gift? Like, it is a I gift. know which friends have a messy house and I'm relieved to go there. Yeah, I, I really am. And I have a really hard time with this. So this is an ongoing practice for me. And, and I think just that permission to each other, like show up as you are, because showing up is the important part mm-hmm. is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to advise this mom in working less. Um, I obviously it's, you know, working smarter. Um, Megan Francis at the mom hour, um, one time told me her best single mom thing that she did when she had very young children and she needed to get housework and things done is to make a list of the things that always had to be done and how long they took. So she had a list of things that took five minutes, 10 minutes, a half an hour, an hour. Mm -hmm. And if she had five minutes, there were the things that she could do. Mm. I love that. And I've actually done that with work stuff as well, because I see that I can cram a lot more into five minutes, right? you know, rather than sitting around and being like, I only have five minutes and then the five minutes is up. So I don't know other than that, how to say without the particulars, what this mom can do. But I say the practice of releasing perfectionism will be the greatest work that you can do for yourself and for your child. Showing up as you are, coming as you are is the most important thing. Put that on a t-shirt, girl. That's uh... I know. Well, I know a lady who could do that. <laughs> you have a friend. Um, yeah, I, man, I, I, well, I have thoughts, but uh, I, I think that yeah, is, say, say no, it, I say just, yes. I just think that I'm learning, you know, I just think that that is, I try to be the person who just is okay with things being messy and, but it's hard for me. So I'm going to really hard. It's I, and I'm there too. It's very hard. And in this last year, this is something that I, I see that I did not invite people over for that same reason. Mm. And being able to have a housekeeper here once made a difference, Mm -hmm. but it was also was kind of on me. Like my real friends don't care. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's true. I mean, the the idea, like if we just step back for a second, that, um, you know, the lack of tidiness in, in one's home could be the barrier to human relationship. Like that seems sort of ridiculous when we say it out loud. Right. So anyway, I'm really glad you brought up that point, because I feel like it is something that so many women wrestle with all the time. Yeah, so especially when it, all the things are on them. Yes. Yes. And you know, if you cannot do it today, that's okay. You can meet up at a park. Yeah. Like it is okay to get out of, if that environment stresses you out, like do some stuff outside of your home or tell somebody like my house is not in the shape I want it to be. Can we meet at your house? Like that Mm -hmm. is okay too, to ask Mm -hmm. for that kind of help. Mm, Yeah. I love that. I love that. And listeners, don't y'all just want to hang out with Jess Ashley now? (laughs) No, I want to go to a fun. park with you or like hang out at your house. I, I would. I'm not sure I'd let you into my messy house, but I would really try, Christine. Oh, you would. You would. Um, I mean, let's, you know, not forget the last time I was at your house. I had a beautiful like charcuterie board presented to me by your boyfriend. So but be that as it may. Um, so I have a big I have a big question. I hope you're ready for it. I'm ready. <laughs> so this is like just very big on many levels. But the question is. How do you deal with the failure of a marriage and what it changes about your conception of yourself? (laughs) There you go. A marriage doesn't fail. Mm. There's no failed marriages. There's Mm. no broken families. There are no broken homes. I, I think that that language prevents us, particularly women, from saying what we need in order to be happy, healthy human beings living in the big life we want for ourselves and our kids. Mm. And it prevents us from leaving. It prevents us from stepping into the lives that we want to create for um, getting out of unhealthy situations or toxic situations. Like it does all these things to block what our real feelings are. Mm -hmm. And to say a marriage failed, I think, could be really painful for a child to hear because that marriage may have produced these children. Mm -hmm. Um, There, there may have been a great love and great intention at the beginning. That doesn't mean it failed. It means that change 
is happening and change is hard and also good. Mm. And so I encourage anyone who is caught in the muck, the real muck and the organic muck of a failed marriage to think about, again, like those agreements, all of the beautiful things that came out of it and what has changed. Because I think, you you know, we all know that sometimes really hard shit happens and who we get down to our bones, like we get down to that raw itself and then something really huge happens or we make something really huge happen. And so if you can release failed marriage, broken home, all of those things, you can just even for five minutes a day, then you can start to see what is possible around you. Mm. And so I would invite this person to think about what the marriage brought and why it's okay that that has come to a close and Mm -hmm. what else there might be for them to embrace. Obviously, one of the most difficult parts of breaking up with your partner, especially somebody you've had children with or your spouse, is that there is a death of your identity or a change in your identity. Mm -hmm. And if you are willing to do the work of asking yourself, who am I and who do I want to be? Who, who is this person now? That is not easy work, but if you are willing, um, then you can move beyond divorce and not be stuck in it. So your Mm. concept of yourself is always changing. You can choose your concept of yourself to be victimized or betrayed or hurt or stuck. And that is okay for a certain period of time. But at some point, you can also make the choice to be different. Mm. I love that so much, Jess. I, I, it was making me think that even sort of a simple, you know, little exercise to play, you know, would be, or to do rather would be to just replace that word failure, you know, with whatever Mm -hmm. change or evolution or something. Mm. And so that every time you say you issue that messaging to yourself, you, you pause and you, you, you know, you flip that script basically, because what you said was just so it's so on point. And, um, you know, failure is just totally 100% the wrong word. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes people give us the great gift of showing us who they are mm-hmm. and who they are right now. And then we have a choice about what to do with it. And so that they may have been somebody very different or our relationship may have been very different. We like stood up and said vows or whatever that looked like. Um, and then, you know, we may have this opportunity to say, like I'm out or this is no longer healthy for me. Mm-hmm. That is an evolution. I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's really important. I think it also is this, um, we do this for ourselves first, I believe. But one of the great um, consequences is that our children get to see um, us in adversity and also move through that. And it gives them a model about how to, not just survive, but how to like be bolder and bigger and more beautiful and to move through their own difficult times. And I hope that when my children have tough times, they'll be able to come to me and tell me because they know I've been through it. Yes. Well, that could not be the more, a more perfect segue to my next question. Um, you know, one of the things that I just love so much about the work that you do with um, women is that you really, you know, you talked about it a bit at the front of the episode, but you really want people to thrive and, you know, for lack of better words, live their best life. Um, thanks yeah. Oprah or whatever, <laughs> or whoever, but, um, you know, that is actually a question that we received, which is, you know, what are some simple ways to thrive as a single parent and how can people who aren't in that situation truly support their single parent friends? I would love to hear oh, your thoughts. Yeah. On this. I mean, this is big because I think what we think of as thriving is evolving as we do. So sometimes going through divorce, we might just be thinking like, get me through this to Mm -hmm. like signing Mm -hmm. the paperwork, right? But there's so much more to be done after that as well. So what thriving looks like might one year be Um, about our income and providing a safe and secure home for our children and ourselves. And the next year might be something totally different. It might be like, I want to 
be a healthy human being who lives a long time. Mm -hmm. So I think it's that constant evaluation of where am I? Where is my family? Who do I want to be? How am I showing up? Mm -hmm. And being accountable for it and accountable for the small steps that can have impact. I think thriving as a single parent means always working to put yourself at the top of your list. This is a real radical act. Yes. It really is. I do strongly believe healthier mom, healthier kids. And it sounds super cliche. It's obviously, if somebody's asking this question, they're already a really attentive, loving mom. So I'm not worried about that part of it. I'm not worried about neglect or abuse in that way. I'm talking about a normal, healthy situation where the mom never does anything for herself or hasn't been to a doctor or gotten a mammogram, but her kids are like at every sick appointment. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. continually putting yourself at the top of your list as much as you can is a way to thrive and evaluating what that means year to year. Mm -hmm. What's difficult in these situations about supporting our friends who are single parents or parents going through divorce when we're not in that situation is that we can put a lot of our assumptions out there. excuse me. And we can say like what we think they need, but I think always the best thing is to ask, what do you really need? Here's how I can show up for you. That's Mm. a hard thing to say. Like Mm -hmm. I can show up to you by bringing you bagels and coffee every Saturday morning that your kids are not with you. Or I can show up with you by taking your kids for an overnight or to the movies so you can have a date. I can show up for you by just reminding you that you are a real badass woman. Like they think there are many different ways that we can do that, but, but we've got to tell the other person, I want to show up for you and here's how I can do it. One, one way a friend of mine showed up for me this last year is I put on Facebook that I was stressing out about giving teachers gifts yes, for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine, one hour later, showed up with like eight dozen cookies with it for me and like the cellophane thing so that I could give it out to teachers. That was amazing. so amazing. Oh my goodness. So I think being tuned in and knowing yourself well enough to say, here's what I have to give. That's it. That's all you have to do. We will wear our friends and family out when we go through divorce, which is why I believe professionals are so important. Get that therapist or a coach or a trainer or other people to help you through it. Mm-hmm. But also Um, use your friends to be your friends, you know, to go out for girls night and talk about other stuff, whatever that may mean for you. Mm -hmm. I also might add, I think that's wonderful. And I might add that another way to thrive, just following that example, you just shared about the cookies, which it's so beautiful. I just want to cry is that part of thriving in that situation is just accepting and saying, thank you. You, you know, and yes, yes, you know, cause I think our, our, I don't know if it's a woman thing, but I think as humans, we, we tend to be like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I, you shouldn't do that. I don't want to trouble you, but just say thank you and accept and just, you know, let that be, it's a good, it's a good thing for everybody. You know, that person, that friend of yours probably felt like really a lot of love, just feeling like they were able to show up for you in a way that was actually matching in helpfulness for what you needed in that moment. I think it's so beautiful. Yeah. And I think also you got kind of got to find your tribe. Like Mm -hmm. single mamas, you need other single mamas. And and it would really help if their kids have time with another parent or a grandparent or somebody else when your kids are away too. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't usually align. But find other parents who really get it. And that will give some ease to your relationship with women and and other people who are not in the same situation with you. Mm. Yes. So brilliant. Well, Jess, we need to close this episode. And as I think you probably might remember, at the end of each episode, Asha and I like to share something we call your next edit, which is something that listeners can consider doing straight away because our listeners like, you know, they like tackling it. So Jess, (laughs) I would love to know what your next edit is in relation to our conversation today. I would say for those of you who know a single mom, know a mom who might be contemplating a divorce or who might be very unhappy in a relationship, who might be going through a divorce, reaching out 
to her today and saying, I see you. I think you're great. I have this thing that I'd love to do because I care about you. Mm. I think beginning that practice today with something super simple, even if it is a text that says, I love you and I see you and I think you're great and I'm here for you. We all want to get that. So don't be embarrassed about it. Don't feel intrusive. Just reach out to her today. If you are that mom who is going through contemplating a divorce in the middle of a divorce, recovering from a divorce, I would say the first thing you can do is begin this practice of radical self-love and compassion by reminding yourself of all that you have thrived through today. And in one little sentence, reminding yourself about what a badass you are. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good place to begin. You are in a place to have a conversation with your child and say, hey, how are things going? And what can we do better? You're the expert here. Tell me what we can do better. I think that's going to be a really shifting and connecting conversation for you to have. And, um, and then I would always invite those women over to, to my site because I, I, I want to connect with you and hear you. And I want to connect you with other women who are exactly where you are so that you have that tribe of people online or in, in real life to support you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it goes without saying I was not planning on sharing a, your, your next edit, I, but you know, mine would be to go to your site because you do have resources and many things. I mean, in addition to your services that people can sort of, you know, find comfort in and start to make progress to that place of self-love, which couldn't agree with you more on. So Jessica, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk with us today. This was just such a wonderful and illuminating conversation. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And for also underscoring how powerful it can be for women in different kinds of partnerships or even not in a partnership to connect with each other just to lift each other up. I really appreciate that. Mm, Yeah, you're welcome. Well, friends, as ever, you'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources we've mentioned at edityourlifeshow.com. And this week, we'd like to know what is your best single mom hack for keeping things simple, manageable, and meaningful as a single or solo parent? Hop over to facebook.com slash edityourlifeshow and look for the question of the week pinned to the top of the page or chat with us on Instagram at edityourlifeshow. Thanks for listening. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.